Let's turn in God's words to the 44th Psalm. We'll read the entire psalm together and then also a related passage from the New Testament from Romans chapter 8. Psalm 44. Let us hear the word of God. To the chief musician, the contemplation of the sons of Korah. We have heard with our ears, O God, our fathers have told us the deeds you did in their days, in days of old. You drove out the nations with your hand, but them referring to the fathers, you planted. You afflicted the peoples and cast them out. For they did not gain possession of the land by their own sword, nor did their own arm save them. But it was your right hand, your arm, and the light of your countenance, because you favored them. You are my king, O God, Command victories for Jacob. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name we will trample those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor shall my sword save me. But you have saved us from our enemies, and have put to shame those who hated us. In God we boast all day long, and praise your name Forever. But you have cast us off and put us to shame, and you do not go out with our armies. You make us turn back from the enemy, and those who hate us have taken spoil for themselves. You have given us up like sheep intended for food, and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people for next to nothing and are not enriched by selling them. You make us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and a derision to those all around us. You make us a byword among the nations, a shaking of the head among the peoples. My Dishonor is continually before me, and the shame of my face has covered me because of the voice of him who reproaches and reviles, because of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you, nor have we dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. But you have severely broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Awake! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise, 
Do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. Arise for our help and redeem us for your mercy's sake. Let us then also turn to the New Testament, Romans chapter 8. We read we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter in verse 22. And the Apostle Paul takes up this psalm, and in particular that verse, in the last part of Romans 8. So we will begin our reading in verse 35 to the end of the chapter. It's a well-known chapter, often turned to in times of confusion and turmoil and suffering. And this is how we are comforted by the Holy Spirit through his servant, Paul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So far. Brothers, sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ, we turn this morning to the book of Psalms. And there are certainly Psalms that are filled with exuberant praise and thanksgiving. We read Psalm 44, but if you would just turn in your Bible to Psalm 47, you would read a very classic example of a psalm filled with exuberant praise. Here's how it begins. Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. And there are many other psalms with a similar theme and a similar tone. But not all the psalms ring with radiant, exuberant praise for the Lord. There are also psalms in which there are cries and struggles, cries of sorrow, cries of fear, cries of anguish, and cries of confusion. And Psalm 44 is certainly one of those psalms. 
it has that element of praise. Look, for instance, at the verses 4 through 8. But overall, it is really a psalm that struggles so deeply with the cry of of confusion, with the question, why? O Lord, my God, why? Have you asked that question? I almost don't have to ask, have you asked why? We all do, brothers and sisters, from time to time. How many times in a Bible study don't those who are there wrestle and try to guide and encourage each other through the big why, Lord, question? How often do elders or pastors visit members of the congregation who are asking why? How often does someone who doesn't know the gospel or maybe is just getting to know the truth of God's word, they have some sense, maybe even they believe that God exists, but they do not understand why the Lord does this or that or doesn't do this or that. It's a big question. It's a question that keeps coming up. It's like dandelions in your lawn in the springtime, brothers and sisters. You can pluck it, that dandelion, but you know full well the next morning, two feet over, another one pops up. And that's why, what the why question is like. You can try to think it through, you pray about it, but then another why question pops up there. Is it not so good that the word of God does not avoid the topic, does not take a detour around the why question? It's there. In this psalm, written by the sons of Korah, inspired by the spirit of Jesus Christ, let us not forget. Awake, Lord, why do you sleep? That then is the theme for the preaching this morning. And we will look particularly at the history behind this cry, the intensity in the cry and around the cry. And finally, we will have to be a little bit patient this morning, brothers and sisters, but also from the psalm comes the answer to that cry. There's not only a question mark in this psalm, Why, O Lord? There's also a couple of exclamation marks there in verse 23. Awake! Why do you sleep, O Lord? Arise! Do not cast us off forever. And whenever you see exclamation marks, you know that there's something underneath that. There's something in the person's heart, in their soul, that's stirring, that suddenly comes out in that exclamation mark. You get texts from people sometimes and there's one or two or three, even four exclamation marks. You know, something is either causing them to be very thankful or very agitated and upset. Exclamation marks say there's something going on there. 
And perhaps also when we read the psalm, you could not help but wonder, what is all going on when at the end of this psalm, the sons of Korah say to the Lord, wake up. Why are you sleeping, O Lord? That's pretty strong language. It might have even gone through your mind, yes, it's in the Bible. Obviously, it's inspired truth. But can we talk like that to God? We sang the opening Psalm 121. The Lord does not sleep. The Lord does not even slumber. The Lord doesn't even nod off for a second or two. He's God. He's always aware. He's always active. He is precisely not like the false gods. Do you remember Mount Carmel and Elijah? And Elijah said to the priests of Baal and the prophets of Baal, shout a little louder. Maybe your God is sleeping. Because that's what the foreign nations thought about the false gods. They thought of them as just kind of superhuman beings, but still needing their sleep. But this is the truth. This is the living God. He neither sleeps nor slumbers. So why are the sons of Korah speaking like this? It seems to go to the edge of what we could say. Indeed. But there is history here. And that's what we need to understand this, brothers and sisters. We go back to the beginning of the psalm, where the sons of Korah say, we've been taught our history. Our dads, and undoubtedly our moms too, have told us, O oh Lord, what you did generation back, and then a generation back before then. And the stories that they've heard about the deeds of the Lord have been nothing short of miraculous. Because the Lord took his people out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and he planted them in the land of Canaan. But on the way to planting them in the land, there was, for instance, the big walled city of Jericho. Well, how is a group of slaves who have never been trained in military exercise or warfare, how in the world are they going to capture a fortified city like Jericho? It will not be by their sword. It will not be by their bow. It will not be by their strategic planning. The Lord knocked the walls down. And they knew about that. They also knew, for instance, that there was a whole, a whole alliance of nations there. Five nations, actually, in Canaan that all came together. They were going to root out those Israelites once and for all. But the Lord gave a mighty victory in the valley of Aijalon. And even, get this, even made the sun stand still in the sky so that the battle of the day could be finished. It was so clear from that history 
that the Lord could and the Lord did mighty, miraculous, mind-blowing things to save and deliver his people. But, verse 9, now, in the present, that's not happening. Whoever the attacker may be, but now, rather than a repeat of Jericho or a repeat of the Valley of Ajalon or something like that, the armies of the Lord are going down to defeat. And the other armies are mocking. Huh, yeah, you Israelites. You thought you had a God who could conquer anyone and anything. But look now. We're winning. You're losing. Reproach, scorn, derision, byword, shaking of the head. And it impacts. Of course it impacts. Verse 15. My dishonor is continually before me. My shame covers me. And it's out of this history that the sons of Korah make this impassioned cry, plea, question. Lord, what, what is happening here and why is it happening? Because you are, I am who I am. You are the God of steadfastness, faithfulness, consistency. But why then did you deliver our fathers, but you're not delivering us? The cry of verse 23 and 24 is not only, why, Lord, aren't you doing something? But in addition to that, it's a, Lord, I'm having a very difficult time finding the line of consistency here. You did it then. What about now? You did it for them, our fathers. What about us? Consistency. That is something that we long for. Not only from each other, but all the more so from the Lord. It's natural. This is what, what children expect of their earthly parents too. Which parent here hasn't had to go through conversations like that? Where a child feels that the way that dad or mom treated one child, an older child, is different than the way that they're getting treated now. Or the other way around. Children expect consistency. Earthly, weak, sinful parents don't always deliver that. Truth be told. But this, brothers and sisters, is God. That's a very different thing. And that's why the sons of Korah, yes, it is impassioned. Yes, it has exclamation marks. But there is also a deep sincerity and integrity of faith which says, Lord, because you are not a sinful human dad or mom, because you are holy, faithful, consistent God, I don't understand 
why you acted then and why now, even though I know you are a God who never sleeps or slumbers. But that's what it feels like. That's what it seems like. And they do not hesitate to say that also before the Lord. Brothers and sisters, already this is so helpful. Every one of the Psalms was inspired by the Spirit of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Your circumstances may be different than the ones of the sons of Korah, but we've all asked deep why questions. We've all searched for that line of consistency. Why does the Lord, upon prayer, give healing, even almost miraculous healing to that brother over there? And I've been praying and praying and praying. The doctor's reports are not any better. In fact, maybe worse. Why did the Lord give an amazing piece of providence to that person? I I heard the story and it just blew my mind. And I'm here and I'm struggling and I feel like I'm stuck and there's there's no movement. There's, There's nothing going. Why, Lord? Where's the line of consistency? The fact that the Spirit of Christ put that question with that kind of history in this book of the Bible is already a sign of compassion. The Spirit of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, knows your suffering and knows your struggle. And He, even when you can hardly do it yourself, expresses it. He articulates it in his own holy word. We begin there. Be thankful for that. Also guiding us in that knowledge of, yes, we are to call upon the Lord. But we have to know our limits too. We can ask why. But we have to ask why in the right way. Not rebellious cry of faith but it can be a cry and then the spirit of Christ adds one more part of the immediate history and that is in verse 17 through 19 all this has come upon us but we have not forgotten you we have not dealt falsely with your covenant you see that could be you might expect the answer why for the fathers and why not for us? Well, maybe the fathers were faithful, but were rebellious and the Lord is punishing us. That can be the case. That can be the case. But that's not the case here in Psalm 44. You see, in there too, the Spirit of Christ is helping us because when these difficult circumstances that the Lord doesn't seem to change are upon us, It's a very natural thought for all of us. Maybe it's because of me. Maybe I'm being punished for some sin. Well, we do have to examine ourselves. It could be. But it's not an automatic thing. Now, what exactly are the sons of Korah saying? Are they saying, we haven't sinned? Of course not. Everyone sins. Everyone falls short. The word of God is perfectly clear. But... 
This is like a marriage, brothers and sisters, a marriage covenant, verse 17. Every husband sins within his marriage every day again. Every wife sins within her marriage every day again. Every spouse falls short. But it's a different thing. If you're unfaithful to your husband or your wife and you go off with some other man or woman, that's adultery. That's something else. And that's what the people of God are saying here. Yes, we fall short, Lord. But even though there have been other times when we turned our back on you and went after false gods, that's not what's happening now. And that only adds to the intensity of the question. So why now, Lord, do you not seem to act? Our prayers seem to go unanswered. It appears as if you are sleeping. Brothers and sisters, it is so important that we read and sing the Psalms Yes, all of them. We love to sing the Psalms. 47, 100, 150. But how often have you sung Psalm 44? Probably less than 47 or 100 or 150. And in a certain respect, that's understandable. But from another angle, brothers and sisters, spiritually we, we deprive ourselves. When we don't read, when we don't pray, when we don't sing all of the psalms. Also, the psalm of the question why, 44. It should be just as familiar as 100 or 150, given the amount of why questions we have in our lives. And the, the why question comes up in all kinds of different circumstances. But what we need to see here is that in addition to that history, there is also a deep, deep intensity to this cry. Again, it's pretty strong language. Verse 19, O Lord, you have severely broken us. Sometimes it's translated crushed. Well, yeah, that's the same. Severely broken, crushed us in the place of jackals. You have covered us with the shadow of death. Think of, think of Psalm 23. And then verse 25, our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. Sometimes when things are unexpected and difficult, we say, knocked me flat on my back. This is, knocked me flat on my front. Our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our body clings to the ground. It's like you've been knocked right into the dust with your face and you're breathing in the dust of the earth in your nostrils as you're gasping for air. The bones are broken, brothers and sisters. We've been severely broken in the place of jackals. 
You know, jackals, they're like the coyotes of Palestine. They're the scavengers. They would often go on the battlefield where there was death, injury. That's where you would find the jackals. It's misery of misery in the place of jackals. It's intense language. And maybe you say, okay, I have my difficulties and I have my big why questions, but thankfully I'm knocked, not knocked flat on my face in the dust, at least not now. And if that's the case, be thankful, brothers and sisters. But there are times... And there does sometimes come occasions where it does become that intense. And even if the Lord in his mercy would not throughout your whole life lead you into such a place of the jackals that you're knocked flat on your front, one thing we can be sure is that the answer that comes from this psalm if it addresses circumstances and suffering that are that intense, then surely would it not be the case, brothers and sisters, that that answer is strong enough, that answer is robust enough to give you comfort and guidance, even if your suffering is less intense? Of course if the answer will be there for the worst of the worst, the answer will also help when it's not quite that bad. Which then leads us, yes, we had to be patient, but now we come to the answer. Because in all of these things, brothers and sisters, the voice of the Spirit is saying in the first place, don't think about the sons of Korah. Don't think in the first place about yourself. Think about him whose Spirit inspired the psalm. Think about your Lord and your Savior, Jesus Christ. If there was anyone who was mocked and derided and made a byword among the nations if there's anyone who had to watch the people wag their heads while he hung in the deepest of suffering on the cross it was our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ you read through the verses 9 through 15 and think of him it just speaks so loudly all of this came upon him but he had not forgotten the Lord. And he was not only faithful to the covenant. He was faithful to each and every law within the covenant. He was perfect. His heart never turned back on the Lord. And yet, there he was crushed. Not only with his body nailed to the cross. But his soul overwhelmed and crushed by the full holy wrath of God against all of our sins. His nose may not have been in the dust, but his soul 
was definitely bowed down as low as it could go. And after he breathed his last, his body was put in the tomb, the ground. Awake, why do you sleep, O Lord? This, brothers and sisters, was the why question that came from the heart and the mouth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If anyone had the right to ask why, it was him who said, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? He who was holy. He who was faithful. He who knew the scriptures inside out. He inspired them. But in the intensity, in the unimaginable tense intensity of the cross. And in perfect holiness, not rebellion in perfect holiness, that why question erupted from his heart and soul. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Eloe, Eloe, lama sabachthani. Why? The Lord's Supper form has the answer. So that you and I might nevermore be forsaken by God. That, brothers and sisters, is the answer to Christ's why question. And that, through Christ, is now the answer to all of your why questions, including those times when the Lord doesn't seem to act as the way you might expect him to act. You may be absolutely assured, as the Apostle Paul makes very clear when he quotes this psalm and works further with it in Romans chapter 8, you may be very clear that nothing, may I say it again, brothers and sisters, based on the word of God, verse 39, no other created thing Nothing in the present, in the future, nothing in the spiritual heavenly realms, nothing in the realm of evil, of the demons, the powers, the principalities, nothing that's big and out there or nothing that's concentrated in your own life, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is where? Where's the source? In Christ Jesus our Lord who cried out why Lord have you forsaken me so that he could assure us that the love and the mercy of the Lord will be there. The mercy and love of the Lord secured in Jesus Christ will be there. If you have to go through the place of jackals the love of Christ and the love of God in Christ will be there. If you have to stand and the people wag their heads at you. Aha, aha. One thing you know. The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord will be there.
if you are knocked so flat by the sufferings of this life that you feel as if you're breathing in the dust in your nostrils, one thing you know for sure, in Jesus Christ our Lord, the mercy and the love of God is there with you, for you. And he's not letting go. And that's the answer that we need. It's not always the answer that we want. We like to have it all mapped out. We like to know how it all ticks in the inner workings of the Lord's plan. But you know what a father says to his children sometimes? His young children. They can't understand all the complexities and the purposes of life. But he says, son, daughter, daddy's here for you. And he loves you. And that is the answer. And in a way that is so much more powerful, so much more holy, so much more comforting. Abba says, you may not be able to comprehend all the ins and the outs, my son, my daughter. But you look to that cross and don't ever doubt my mercy, my love, and my faithfulness is there for you and with you. That is the answer. Amen. Let us pray that the Lord gives us strength to accept this all in faith. Father in heaven, we have all asked why at certain times, perhaps more intensely, perhaps less intensely, but it's there. And first of all, we want to thank you that you've also put it there in your word. And we pray that also when we ask our searching questions, that we may do it scripturally. We have hearts that wander. We have hearts that can be rebellious and ungrateful. O oh Lord, Guide us by the truth of your word. Also guide us by psalms like Psalm 44 so that we are not on the one hand reluctant or scared to even address the question or express it, but on the other hand that we don't go too far and say it in a way that we ought not to say it. Thank you for the guidance of your word through your spirit. Would you work it into us also when things get confusing and we can easily forget it. We also want to thank you, O Lord, that we have the perfect obedience of your Son, Jesus Christ, he who also asked the why question in a perfect way, because we haven't always asked the why question in a perfect way. We have sinned in those questionings. Grant us the assurance in Christ that also those things are forgiven when we repent. And Father in heaven, we also want to thank you for 
the unfathomable suffering of your son Jesus Christ who already in the garden of Gethsemane said that the prospect of the suffering on the cross so overwhelmed him sweat like drops of blood that he was overwhelmed to the point of death he said himself and yet he didn't die there he died where he was ordained where he had to die on the cross to remove the curse so that we might never more be forsaken. Father in heaven, when all else seems to be confusing or discouraging, would you please reach through the power of your spirit into our hearts and in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ secure the assurance that nothing at all is going to separate us from your love in him. Help us, O Lord. Anchor us, assure us, steady us in that truth. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.